mediated conversation on SAFM. 26 minutes now to 9 the time. Good morning. Over the last few months since the start of the avian flu epidemic on our chicken farms, farmers have had to cull over 7.5 million birds. It means that these birds have not been producing eggs and cannot be sold for meat. It also led to an egg shortage. You may remember it was quite difficult to get eggs for a period last year. At the same time, it may also have opened the door to more imports of both eggs and chicken meat into South Africa at a time when our industry is involved in competition with chicken farmers in Brazil. Meanwhile, it emerged through a Business Day report this week that not one farm has yet been authorised to use vaccines to stop this disease from spreading. As I understand it, and I think we'll get clarity on this over the next 25 minutes or so, this is because the Department of Agriculture is insisting that birds that are vaccinated are tested for the disease on a regular basis, even if they don't show symptoms. That could make using vaccines quite expensive. So then... Where are we with the avian flu epidemic? What impact is it having on our farmers? How difficult is it to manage? First this morning, the impact on farmers and their businesses. Isaac Breitenbach is the general manager at the SA Poultry Association. Then, uh, how, what do the vaccines work? What impact do they have? Dr. Obed Lokela is a member of the, AVA, of the avian flu task team at SAPA and a senior employee at Astral Foods. And finally, from the Department of Agriculture, what protocols do they want to be implemented? How does all of this work? Dr. Import Maja is the Director of Animal Health in the Department of Agriculture, Land Reform and Rural Development. We start then with Isaac Breitenbach from the SA Poultry Association. Isaac, good morning and thank you for your time. Good morning, Stephen. Firstly, what is the situation with the industry at the moment? To lose 7.5 million birds is an absolutely massive number. It's a massive number, and I think it's uh, probably better to put it in terms of percentages. Um, We have lost uh, 30% of all broiler breeder birds during this particular outbreak, and we have lost 20% of all commercial layer birds during this particular outbreak. So it had a material impact on the uh, producers, but um, it also had an impact on the supply of product. Um, You've already mentioned that we had a shortage of eggs. Luckily, we had no shortage of chicken meat um, during the period September to December. And that was uh, due to the reason that we imported 150 million um, hatching eggs to replace the hatching eggs we lost due to avian influenza. But the cost um, is there for the companies. So are farmers now able to grow chickens, have these chicken lay eggs? Are they able to replace the stocks that they lost? Absolutely. Um, Immediately uh, after the first outbreaks of the disease, um, the company started replacing stock that was lost. And that process will not stop. It will still carry on for the next six months uh, to 12 months uh, where we will be replacing stock. If we talk about uh, the broiler meat side of the business, um, what is happening currently is we're producing um, chicken meat of imported fertile hatching eggs. Um, and that will be replaced by local production as we are replacing the flocks. Okay. All of this must have cost a fortune. Has anyone been able to quantify what this has cost the industry? It, it's in the billions. Um, in 2017, we lost um, uh, uh, one and a half million birds, um, and it cost the industry about 1.8 billion rand. 
This time around, um, the figure that, that, that you quoted of seven and a half has actually gone up to nine and a half million birds. And that means that it's three to four times the 1.8 billion. So we're talking about six to eight billion rand um, is the total cost of this particular outbreak to the industry. That would be the birds that died, the cost of that, but also the future production of one about one year's worth of uh, fertile egg production or and or commercial layer egg production that we've lost. So this would be the worst flu outbreak in the history of the of the of the chicken industry in South Africa. Absolutely, we've had three outbreaks um, since uh, 2017. First one in 2017, another one in 2021, and then this one in 2023. And this one was by far the worst of the um, outbreaks, and the one where we struggled to get the disease under control. Uh, it seems then that these outbreaks are becoming more and more regular. Does this happen in other countries? Was something shifted in Southern Africa that means we're having more epidemics like this? No, not at all. Um, it is a problem that we experience globally, um, that we are struggling in Europe, in America, South Africa, uh, to control the disease. Um, the disease has become more endemic, uh, meaning that we probably need to live with the disease, that uh, we will struggle to eradicate the disease, and therefore the necessity of um, using vaccines uh, to control the disease. What do other countries do to control this? How do they respond to the same kind of problem? Um, 90% of countries uh, will follow a stamp out policy, uh, similarly to South Africa. That is exactly what we've done for the last three outbreaks. Um, we will, in essence, cull any bird that, that uh, didn't die of the disease. And secondly, birds that were in contact uh, with, uh, con uh, with infected birds, we will cull. And in that way, we will cull the virus and therefore get negative of the virus. So that is what most countries do. Um, there is a new trend um, in, in, in uh, considering um, vaccination. And a country like France has, for example, started to vaccinate its, um, its duck population. And then South Africa, because of the enormous financial losses last year, um, has decided to, to go the vaccination route. So vaccination for chickens is still a relatively new thing. It's not something that happens around the world on a regular basis. Uh, definitely not for influenza. Um, we use vaccines all the time. It's a normal practice for us. But in terms of avian influenza, the, the, the global thinking was um, still a stamp out policy. And, um, in, and, and now we see a, a move towards the thinking of um, including vaccines as one of, the, of the, the components to control the disease. Even if we vaccinate, we will still uh, cull flocks that, that uh, get infected with the disease. So the culling out policy will still carry on. And obviously, um, the, the first uh, form of defense that we as chicken producers have is biosecurity, um, uh, uh, preventing the virus from entering a, uh, a flock. Isaac Breitenbach, thank you. General Manager at the SA Poultry Association. Really appreciate the time. You're with SFM, 19 minutes to nine the time. Continue your mediated conversation around the avian influenza outbreak. Dr. Obed Lokela is a member of the avian flu task team at the at Zapa, also a senior employee at Astral Foods. Dr. Lokela, good morning and thank you for your time. Good morning, Stephen, and thank you for inviting me. What vaccines are available for the variant of bird flu that we've seen here in the last year? Stephen, since April last year, um, in South Africa, we've experienced uh, two um, strains of bird flu, the H5N1 and the H7N6. 
So with the age seven and six making up um, almost 82% of the cases that we experienced. Um, to date, however, we have three H5 vaccines that are registered with the Department of Agriculture's Act 36. Um, therefore, we still need an agent approval of the H7 vaccine. Um, and um, at this point in time, uh, we are aware that there's at least three of these H7 vaccines that have been submitted to Act 36 and they're receiving the necessary um, attention that they require to be approved. Do we know for sure that these vaccines work, how effective they are? Sure, absolutely, Stephen. These uh, vaccines, um, most of them, we call them technology vaccines. They've been, uh, they're being made uh, by um, international um, animal health companies. Um, and, and the registration process in South Africa is very stringent um, in, in a sense that, um, amongst other things, they've got these three, uh, three criteria that they apply which is quality, safety, and efficacy um, of, of the vaccine. How do you determine the, the efficacy of the uh, vaccine? Uh, that's through controlled trial conditions, um, you know, that uh, these companies um, test these vaccines under. And uh, the couple of things that they look at in terms of efficacy is definitely that the beds survive, that's livability, and uh, whether they get sick or not once they've been vaccinated and challenged with a, f um, with a field strain. And it has shown that when using these vaccines, the beds survive, they don't die. But over and above, you conduct laboratory tests um, where you look at um, shedding of the virus. Um, so the, those are specialized. You want to see that uh, once the beds are vaccinated, um, they contaminate the environment and infect the beds next door. So that's where the shedding studies uh, are done. And uh, with these vaccines, it has shown that significantly um, shedding gets reduced. And uh, they also look at the level of antibodies, which is most important in a sense that uh, should they get challenged by the field vaccine, will they be able to fight the infection and control it and therefore survive? So definitely, yes, they, these vaccines are known to work. They've been tried under uh, controlled conditions. Okay, so I just want to get a little bit to this idea of shedding. Um, and we learned, as you may remember, Dr. Lakela, an awful lot about vaccines uh, during the COVID-19 pandemic. But when you are vaccinated against the disease, it doesn't mean you don't get the disease. It means that you can still get the disease, but your body is protected from it. So the risk then is... In a case of bird flu, as I understand it, it is so infectious, it literally blows from farm to farm in the wind. That's how infectious it is. That a chicken could be vaccinated against the disease and still be contagious. Is that what we're talking about here? Is that the concern? Stephen, actually, once the birds are vaccinated, it shows that um, it's been shown several times that the shedding uh, reduces significantly. Um, so the uh, the beds can still be infected and that's why the biosecurity becomes important however those beds will not get sick and they will not shed um, so the environment is not overloaded with the virus and uh, the beds next door or your neighbor is also protected when you vaccinate um, so it's more like uh, the vaccine will create uh, a fire break if i can use that analogy so that's what it is in essence. So if there's a proper policy of vaccination and the vaccines are properly effective, it would stop bird flu, or it would stop that variant of bird flu full stop? It will significantly reduce it um, from spreading 
Um, so that is very important to vaccinate. It's a necessary tool to reduce the spread of the virus. Okay, I'm with you now. As I understand it, and we'll hear from government in just a moment, um, but government of the agriculture department wants a, to use a protocol or impose a protocol where if a farm vaccinated its birds, they will still have to test the birds that have been vaccinated. Is that difficult to do? Well, Stephen, it is, uh, the testing is not difficult. Um, so, but the, um, the protocol as it stands now, it has got um, specific requirements. In a, one of the requirements is that the, the taking of samples can only be done by a veterinary official, being a, vet, being a technician or a veterinarian. So that uh, limits most producers to, to even start and, and, and vaccinate and, and therefore take samples. Particularly the small and medium farmers, they won't be able to um, have those resources um, to, 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 be, to take the samples. Okay, so so it's not so much about um, taking the sample, it's how and who is taking the sample. In other words, the farmers would want one of their own workers to be able to do it, I presume. Yes, so the, the, the practical thing is is that you'd want the, the, the farmers to, to, to take the samples, but um, th- that's not allowed in this case, and uh, understandably so, because this is also a control disease. But um, looking at uh, the, the challenges that we're facing now, uh, we need to review that and make it practically possible for the industry to to still vaccinate mm-hmm. and, and comply with um, the requirements as laid out in the protocol. So is this the main reason why farmers haven't been doing it? I mean, is that what's stopping the sort of widespread use of these vaccines that, as you say, are now available to stop bird flu? These other um, uh, requirements there, so definitely surveillance is one who's taking the samples and the number of samples, which is which is a lot of samples as it stands now and therefore makes the process um, very expensive. Um, there's uh, other requirements like biosecurity um, that's required and the control of live beds and the poultry products, the, that movement um, of those um, uh, beds and products is also one of the requirements. So all these are good practices um, as spelled out in the protocol, but in the current form, they definitely require to be reviewed. And, and the SAPA Avian Task Team is challenging these points with the department, but the process um, is progressing slower than we would like to see. So um, yes, in essence, it's cost um, and um, the uh, who should take the samples um, as it stands at the moment. And are the vaccines expensive? Yes, the, the vaccines are very, they, they're not cheap um, relative to other vaccines that we use, like uh, Isaac alluded that we use a lot of vaccines, but um, they, they're not cheap. But uh, at this point in time, um, what is cheap considering the impact that this uh, disease has had um, to producers? So it is a necessary tool. It is uh, affordable tool to, to use, but it, it, it's definitely at, at the price. Dr. Obed Lukeleb, thank you. A a veterinarian, a member of the Avian Flu Task Team at the SA Poultry Association, a senior employee at Astral Foods. In a moment, uh, from government, Dr. Paul Marja, the Director of Animal Health in the Department of Agriculture, Land Reform and Rural Development, will explain things from their point of view. That's next. You with SFM, leading the conversation. It's 11 minutes to nine.
Mediated Conversation on SAFM. Nine minutes to nine the time. Continue your mediated conversation around the response to the bird flu epidemic, which has had such a big impact on our agricultural industry and had a big impact on the availability of eggs last year. Dr. Paul Marja is the Director of Animal Health in the Department of Agriculture, Land Reform and Rural Development. Dr. Marja, good morning and thank you for your time. Good morning, Stephen, and good morning to your listeners. So these vaccines are available. What kind of protocol do you believe farms should use if they want to use these vaccines? Um, Stephen, I think in, in the last two um, colleagues and friends that you interviewed, the, the message has been very clear. Um, we want the farms that are going to vaccinate to have a certain level of biosecurity. You put it very nicely um, in one of the questions that vaccine does not stop um, the infection. And that is the reason that we require for biosecurity measures on the farm to be up to scratch so that vaccine on its own does not form the only um, and um, main basis for prevention of disease. So it's multifaceted. There has to be good biosecurity. You can then be given permission to vaccinate. But at the same time, you need to monitor the flock that there hasn't been natural infection after you vaccinated. Um, so, so, so your concern is, for example, a bird could be vaccinated. It could be perfectly safe from the disease, catch the disease, be safe from the disease, but the disease could then spread to a pigeon, which is in the flies through the farm. Uh, that pigeon then goes to another farm with chickens, and those chickens aren't vaccinated, and then the disease is spread like that. Except if you have good biosecurity, that pigeon should not make contact with the sure. chicken that has been vaccinated and been infected. Yeah. But in a nutshell, yes. Okay. Um, as, as Dr. Lukela said, um, you, once bears are vaccinated, they can still get infected. They can still um, share the virus and infect the next bird. So, yes, that's the main concern. Okay, so I understand that's a perfectly rational uh, policy choice, if I can put it, if I can use the legal phrase for a minute. Um, the idea that only a vet would actually be able to take a sample. And what this would mean for a farm, as I understand it, is that a farm would have to either use their own vet or get a vet from outside just to come and take the samples. That's quite expensive. Uh, most farms will have workers on the farm who could perhaps take the sample and then that sample would go to wherever these samples go to get tested. They'll get tested by the same laboratory, whether it was a vet or a worker. Why are you insisting on a vet to do that? It's not just a vet that we insist on, but even a paraveterinarian would be permitted to do that. Somebody that is registered with the Veterinary Council. Um, and the reason for that is we need somebody, one that is independent, but understandably vets are not absolutely independent of the farm, but somebody that has a legal obligation to the veterinary profession. Farmers, owners of birds, are not quite independent. And that is the reason that we would not readily allow them to collect samples. This is a control disease, and the repercussions of a farm being infected are massive on the farm that gets infected. So in our opinion, there is more incentive for the farm, for the farmer, to collect samples that will yield a negative result so that they are not placed under quarantine 
um, and further restrictions applying. So that's the main logic why we require either a veterinarian or a para-veterinarian to collect samples. I can understand um, why you'd need to do that, Dr. Marja, uh, and I know that, you know, we, we do need to be quite cynical. Isn't it quite an onerous restriction, though? I mean, it's quite expensive. I don't know if there's any other way around it, but it is quite expensive. We are looking at other alternatives with um, industry. Um, Dr. Lukele and a few other colleagues are part of the task team. We sit on a weekly basis and look at the alternatives to the measures that are put in the protocol. And that's one of the things that we have been looking at. How can industry um, measures that they want give us assurances that the process is as independent as possible and it gives us what we what we need to get from the farm? Um, would it be possible to go area by area? And what I'm trying to get to is... If, for example, let's just use Gauteng because it's a convenient example. If you were able to make sure that all of the commercial chickens on on chicken-producing farms were vaccinated, you would then be able to relax some of these protocols, or would it not be able to work like that? Unfortunately, it wouldn't work like that. As as the protocol currently stands, it's voluntary. Um, We are not forcing anybody to vaccinate, so farms that believe that they are at high risk and they have good biosecurity and they have the means of vaccinating and um, applying the measures would on their own apply and they would be given permission if they comply to vaccinate. So it wouldn't quite work on an area basis because that would mean we have to force everybody in the area to vaccinate and unfortunately we, we wouldn't be able to do that. Dr. Marja, I hear your concerns um, around why you would need to have someone who's independent test the birds. And I understand what you say about uh, the idea that a region wouldn't work. There might be another way to look at it, and let me put it to you, that perhaps what government and what your department should be doing here is encouraging as many farms to vaccinate as many birds as possible. And thus to do that, so to get rid of the disease, you know, sort of permanently, and to do that you would want to make it as easy as possible and less onerous and have as as light a protocol as possible. Wouldn't that be one way of looking at it? Except it would not get rid of the disease. There are countries that have done that. I don't know to what extent they forced people to vaccinate or how many birds they vaccinated. What that results in is that you end up with an endemic situation where the virus is perpetually present at any given time um, in our whole population. Okay, so you end up with a situation where the virus can just come back. We still manage to control it when it comes back periodically. Um, and Stephen, remember that avian influenza is a zoonosis. It also affects people. That's one of our main worries, that once we get to an endemic stage, the highly pathogenic avian influenza has a tendency of mutating to infecting people. Once we get to that point, then we are all in trouble. And that's what the department is trying to prevent from happening. Once we have an endemic situation, we are going to have human fatalities. I can promise you that. Yeah, are there other ways to stop these epidemics from coming up so regularly? And I mean, vaccination would be a a tool for that, wouldn't it? Um, Vaccination, it is is a tool for uh, preventing um, massive uh, of infection. 
Um, biosecurity is another way of presenting introductions onto blocks. Um, speedy um, resolution of infection through early detection, um, culling of infected and in contact birds so that you reduce the viral load as well as susceptible population is another means of controlling the disease. Dr. Mpo Maja, I really appreciate the time. Thank you. Director for Animal Health in the Department of Agriculture, Land Reform and Rural Development. My thanks also to Dr. Obed Lokele, a member, a vet, a vet, a vet himself, and a member of the avian task flu, uh, tasked, avian flu task team, and uh, also an executive at Astral Foods. And Isaac Breitenbach is the general manager at the SA Poultry Association.